draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 11. Paul has written the first 11 chapters of this, this wonderful book, and I encourage you to, to keep reading it. And as you read it, meditate upon it. Ask, how does this speak to me? What is God trying to tell me here? That's how we need to read His Word. It may be two chapters. It may be two verses. But meditate. It's not just a matter of reading His Word and say, okay, that's, you know, it's like feeding the chickens. I've done that today. And uh, next. But that's how we treat Christianity, sad to say. That's how I do it so much of the time. Okay, I've done that. Check. But that's not the Christian life. And so Paul, after writing all of these wonderful doctrines that, that uh, were revealed to him and, and all the, the uh, detail that it was revealed to him, it's just incredible that God used such a man as Paul and he spoke of the sinfulness and the fallenness of man, the depravity of man, and then justification by faith alone apart from works. And he, he spoke about, uh, about adoption and sanctification the doctrine of election that we looked at and, and the love of God. and there's, there's no separation from the love of God once uh, uh, you're loved by Him in the sense of redeemed by Him, you're trusting Him, you're saved. He will never let you go. But, but he, Paul has gone through all of these wonderful doctrines. So now what? I mean, we could just say, well, okay, now what? Well, it affected his life, I can tell you that. Because what does he do now beginning in verse 33 of chapter 11? He breaks forth into doxology. Let me just how many times a day do you break forth in doxology? You know, is that convicting or what? It is for me. I've had times in my life when I've broken forth in doxology been wonderful times uh, the spirit's moving in such a way and and just reveal something to me or some great blessing maybe somebody gets saved or you, you know a, a child is is whatever but boy do we break forth in doxology very much we should this is what I think Paul is, is saying here to us because all theology, I think, rightly grasped and understood, uh, leads the heart and mind to doxology. You know, all Scripture is inspired. Somebody read this, is inspired, but not all Scripture is inspiring. In other words, we don't go back and read the boring begats for inspiration. I mean, maybe you do. I mean, golly, I'd like to know how that happens. But, but there's a lot of Scripture that... Is not inspiring, but Book of Romans is inspiring. Amen. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna change your life if you if you accept it, receive it, and follow it, and 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 uh, make it part of your life. And this is what Paul is 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 saying here. So Paul, when he breaks forth here, it's not something he's he's telling you that you ought to do, but he's saying, no, this is something I've experienced, Amen. and that's why he does it. And, uh, you know, the whole book of Romans, the whole Bible, really, is about the mercy of God. 
It's all the way through. It shows how merciful God is on miserable sinners like me. And uh, uh, I hope as we study it, uh, we would experience more and more of that mercy and give him more and more praise and glory in our lives. That's what, that's what my desire is. But uh, remember the chief end of men from the catechism says to enjoy, uh, uh, to glorify God, enjoy him forever. Now that's a catechism, that's not scripture. But still in all, I think it's true. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I, I think that says it all. And also in Psalm 73, 24 through 28, With your counsel you will guide me, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And I've read this before, but it's just so wonderful. And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. And I may t- tell of all your works. And so, I hope we get it. I hope you get it. Because that's so, so important. You know, it's, it's amazing, but... We enjoy his creation. We enjoy everything he's made. And he has made it. I will see some verses in a minute. But better yet, we get him. Do you see that? I hope you don't miss that. (coughs) He is my portion forever. He is my portion. Not all this stuff. He is my portion. And that's for me now. Not 25 years ago when he accepted Jesus, but now. Or 10 years ago, or 5 years ago, or 15 minutes ago. No, it's now. That's just amazing. We get him. He is my portion forever. And I get to enjoy him forever. And so Paul now, in verse 33, let's read verse 33 through 36. And so I want you to think when he says, oh, the depths, he ain't going like, uh, oh, by the way. You know, it's not like, oh, by the way, I, I have something else to, like Colombo used to do. Oh, oh, by the way, one more question. <laughs> no, this is, oh, oh, this is what he's saying here. After everything he said, oh, he says, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? <clears throat> or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. This would be a good piece of scripture to memorize. Yeah. And hide in your hearts. The depths. Oh, the depths. They're very deep. 
like God who is infinitely deep is what he's saying here. Oh, the depths. There's no bottom. You can't reach the bottom. You can in a swimming pool. You can in an ocean. But in God, you'll never reach the depth of it. Why? Because we're finite. And he is infinite. And we will be seeing and learning more of God forever. You know, at the time that Daniel... Uh, in Daniel chapter 2, in verses 20 and 22, Daniel needed help. And why was that? Well, Nebuchadnezzar was going to put to death all the sorcerers in the country because they could not tell him his dream or interpret it. And so it was a, it was a problem here. So Daniel goes to God and, uh, for help. Did you go to God for help? he needed a help with a dream. And so, let the name of God be blessed, Daniel 2, 20 and 22. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For See what we're talking about. For wisdom and power belong to him. Why do we go to him? Why do you go to God? He's got what? So we just read in Romans. The riches of the wisdom knowledge of God. It is he who changes the times and the epochs or the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Daniel went to the one who could help him. And he is our help in time of need. And let us never forget that. And God, of course, helps him. He gives him the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And their life is spared. You know, God is working in ways we cannot see or understand. And we need to realize that. Uh, Go as deep as you can. And there is God working his plan in the details. In all the depth. And all the details of your life, God is working there. We have to believe that. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And I think what he's talking about here, and I got this from, from another man, but I think it's true. Accurately. We see things accurately. One day we will see that accurately. Now in part... See, but now in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. We will understand things accurately. We don't do that now. We cannot understand everything accurately. And uh, we just have to trust God for that. The riches of God are very deep. From verse 33 we find the riches of God. You know God is very rich. Have you ever thought about how rich God is? Think about it. God is rich. But not in the way we understand riches. Uh, But he owns everything. He owns you. You are his property. Deuteronomy 10.14 Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and what? 
Is that you? Amen. That's you. He owns you. What does Psalm 24.1 say? The earth is the Lord's and what? All it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. Sounds like that to me. You know what? It's very foolish to rebel against God. To say I don't need God. Very foolish. And of course since he owns it all. And it's his already. He can do with it as he pleases. And we've seen this before. Uh, Maybe. Daniel 4.35. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will. In the host of the heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one could ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? He does according to his will. And you know what I'm glad he does? That gives me peace in the midst of suffering. It gives me peace in trials and tribulations. Can you thank God for that? Ask yourself that. He is rich because what? He made it all. He made it all. It's his. How would you like to have a bucket of gold? Anybody here that would not like to have a bucket of gold? Especially a big bucket of gold. One that you couldn't even pick up. Would you say you'd be rich? Yeah, probably so at $1,600 an ounce. I wouldn't even want to try to, but that'd be a lot of bucks. Buckets too. (laughs) Yeah, he's one guy that, anyway, let's uh, let that slide. Yes, we would be very, very rich. But you know what? God can create out of nothing what? Millions and millions and billions and trillions of buckets of gold. Have you ever thought of that? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What's that say? Just a thousand? Is that what? No, no. He owns everything. You see, it's his. It's, you know, we've been studying on, on Friday morning. We're about to finish up the attributes of God by Pink. And, I, and I, if you've never read his book, just go through and study it. It's a marvelous, marvelous teaching on the, on the attributes of God. <clears throat> but he, <clears throat> he made it all. God made it all. And by the way, he made it out of nothing. He doesn't need anything. Raw materials, we do. Raw materials to create. What are God? What are God's raw materials? Nothing. Now think of that. I mean, and that that is just absolutely mind-boggling to me. Nothing. And if He wanted more diamonds, He would create more diamonds. <clears throat> but that's not what interests Him. <clears throat> it never runs out. <clears throat> It never runs out. It's amazing. And uh, I remember one time, because everybody's looking for a treasure, a treasure chest, if you will. I mean, that's make movies about it, looking for a treasure chest. 
never runs out. You know, I thought I found that one time. We used to do metal locating for, for Civil War uh, <clears throat> uh, projectiles, bullets, and so forth. I had a lot of fun doing it with Dad. He took us everywhere. And we'd take that detector and, and go different places where we found a campground on Dolphin Island. And uh, I got a, a real big signal, and I started digging down in the hole, and up comes a piece of eight. You've heard of gold doubloons and pieces of eight. Well, I found one, 1814. It was in the Battle of New Orleans. And I thought, wow. And I put the detector back over the hole and went, wow, wow, just as big a signal. I reached down in deep in the hole and pulled out another one. And I said, oh, my gosh. And then I took the detector, wow, wow, just as big a signal. And I said, I found it, my treasure chest. Dug that about this deep, and it was a big old tin can. But you know what? For the Christian, God himself is our treasure chest. I want you to think about that. God is your treasure chest. He himself, who is rich and infinite. He is our all in all. He is all we need. He is the treasure of the universe. He is of infinite value. Ephesians 3.8 To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles what? Unfathomable what? Riches of Christ. You know, <clears throat> we're rich. I've said that before. In God, in, in the in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, from all eternity has been rich. Perfect unity together. Perfect unity, rich. They have enjoyed that unity from all eternity. <clears throat> but Christ gave himself for us, for our enjoyment and his glory, so that what? we might be rich too. Think of that. So that we might share in that, rich, in that richness for the enjoyment. <clears throat> you know, God does not need us to be rich. Think of that. God does not need me to be rich. He never changes. He remains the same. But I need Him to be rich. That means I am more, when I have him, I am more wealthy than somebody named a rich guy. Bill Gates. Do you realize if he has not Christ, he's a pauper. He has nothing except eternal condemnation and damnation. If I have Christ, I am richer than Bill Gates. I don't have just one bucket of gold. I have. The streets in heaven are going to be paved with it. But more importantly, I have Christ himself who is the treasure. He is my, he is my, <clears throat> he is of infinite value to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, that verse, every time I read it, it just amazes me because the fact that Christ dwells in me, a sinful, wicked person like me, is a mystery. But the Bible says that he does. And you know what? That's a great treasure. It's being rich because I have that treasure in this earthen vessel, Paul says. It's in an earthen vessel. That's me. And he dwells there. We just need to, we, you know, we just need to walk around thinking on these things. And if that doesn't make you like Paul saying, oh, the depths, it should. It should make you cry out to God in thanksgiving because Christ himself is, uh, is the greatest gift. And he says, now the, now the wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Colossians 2, 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. And who is the whom? Christ. He says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, I, and again, this is, when you try to think about this and, and, put, and try to figure it out, and you just get, you just got to accept it. I mean, I do, because you, you uh, it's, just a, it's just so wonderful. It's just wonderful. Knowledge, knowing all the facts about me, everything he knows. Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 139, 1 through 6, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. See, he knows us. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and, my in, intimately, uh, and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word in my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. Oh, the depths of the riches. Oh, the depth, Paul says. This is what he's talking about. He knew the Old Testament. He knew what was said about God. And he's saying here, whoa, before a word was on my tongue, behold, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind him before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Oh, the depths. You see what he's saying? Oh, the depths. That's how wonderful this is. Hebrews 4.13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He knows it all. Every insect that crawls around, he knows about it. He knows everything about that insect. He could tell you how much it weighs. And you might say, God doesn't care about that. Oh, yes, he does. Don't tell God what he doesn't care about. You better be careful about telling God that he doesn't care about his creation. He does. Every, every mosquito. He can tell you how many mosquito larvae was in that tub in your backyard. I mean, I don't know if you understand the God that we're dealing with, how big he is, and how majestic he is, and how powerful he is, and how all-knowing he is. This is what Paul is <clears throat> Breaking forth into here. All the micro and the macro, he knows it all. All the stars are named. <clears throat> he knows all of it. And then all wisdom. All wisdom. 
He takes all of these facts and with his wisdom he uses to, to them for a good go. He is infinitely wise. His wisdom brings to pass what he purposes. He guides all the events <clears throat> to choose the best, <clears throat> the best end for our good and his glory. For our good and His glory. And we have to believe that. Even though sometimes we can't figure it out. He guides all the events to achieve the best end for our good and His glory. And now of course that's Romans eight twenty eight that we've already seen. The wisdom of God finally is Christ Himself. Crucified, risen, and reigning. 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 23 and 24. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. But those who are the called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the what? The power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the risen, uh, 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 the wisdom of God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him. Sounds like uh, Romans, doesn't it? 11.36, all things were been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He sustains all things. He doesn't just get it going, go away, come back later on to see how it's turning out. No. He's got a wonderful plan that he's carrying out. And we need to stand brethren in awe of him. And don't try to figure him out. Because his ways are not our ways. His ways are past finding out. Don't try to figure him out and and, uh, because we only have partial knowledge and we'll never be able to figure it out. But he knows everything. We need to rejoice in him, give thanks to him, and uh, uh, that's what we have to do. In verse 34, he says, For who has known the mind of the Lord or became his counselor? <clears throat> you can't give him advice, is what he's saying here. You can't give him advice. Why? Because he knows everything already. Because everything is from him and through him. Uh, he knows it all. You know, but sinners try, we try, don't we? To give him advice. You know, God, it had been better if you'd have done it this way. <laughs> I see a few of you smiling because I'm guilty of that too. Uh, why did you do it this way? You know, why did you take my child? Or whatever it happens to be. We always we question God. We should not do that. And then we see in verse 35, he says, Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? In other words, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Answer, no one. Just like the answer to the first question is nobody. You can't give him advice. And you can't give him uh, a gift. Because he owns it already. It's his already. Because if you could give him something that he needed, then he would owe you. 
but he doesn't owe us anything. This is not, by the way, life is not let's make a deal. Remember the show, Let's Make a Deal? And uh, trade you, you know, your whatever for the curtain, what's behind the curtain. That's not how God operates at all. It's not let's make, you don't make deals with God. You either receive his mercy and his grace by faith or you pay the consequences. You cannot give God your morality. You can't give God your good works because he ain't going to accept them. This is what Paul is saying here. He doesn't owe you anything. He's given you a way of salvation and we need to trust him. Don't try to give him your performance. He will not accept it. Acts 17, 20, nor is he served, God, it says, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath in all things. You see, that's the truth right there. That's the truth. Just amazing. It's just so amazing. Because all things are from him and through him and to him. And uh, he is in control of it all. Everything is governed by him. Everything is governed by him. And we have to be careful. We'll get to that in a second. But he says, Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap. Now they don't cast lots in the lap anymore. But, uh, but it's every decision is from the Lord. That means every dice that's thrown in Las Vegas out on the table. It says its decision is from the Lord. Now do you understand that? Oh, that's pretty deep, isn't it? Isn't that pretty deep? That God is in the midst of everything that's going on and uh, He allows it to happen even though He may be against it happening. Uh, But every roll of the dice is governed by God. God sees it coming and permits it to happen. The devil is not independent of God. He is, not, he is not running around doing whatever he wants to do anytime he wants to, whatever he, No. He, it, God is in control of Satan. Scriptures are very clear about that. And God's, God's purposes are not frustrated by Satan. He says in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... And the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Not from the Father. Well, wait a minute. I thought you just said everything is from the Father. All things are from Him and through Him. Yeah, but He is not the author of sin. See, that's the difference. It's not an expression of His nature, if you will. It comes from Satan. Now, again, this is one of those things that, that's hard to, in our finite minds to understand. But uh, it was put this way. God sends it, but Satan brings it. God sends it, but Satan brings it. In other words, he allows it, but it's Satan who actually brings it. 
and uh, an illustration of that I used years ago was a little old lady that went out on her front porch and she doesn't have anything to eat and she's crying out to God for a loaf of bread and these two uh, evil boys on the side of the house here praying like that and say, let's pull a trick on her. Let's go to the store and get a, bread, a loaf of bread. So they run to the store and they come back. She's gone back inside and they put the loaf of bread on the porch and they, and they knock on the door real loud and then run and hide in the bushes. And she comes down and, and comes out and looks down at the bread. She says, thank you, God, for this loaf of bread. And they jump out of the bushes and they say, God didn't give it to you. We did and we're evil. You're a crazy lady. And she says, I understand that, but you don't understand that God sent it, but Satan brought it. Now that's a good thing, but even the bad things that God allows is always for our good, you see. That's Romans 8.28. Because what does the scripture say? James 1.13 and 17. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Every good thing... Uh, given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or, or sh- uh, shifting of shadow. So, uh, God looks looks down and sees <clears throat> a perfect tapestry, beautiful tapestry, and that's His plan completed. We look up from down below and see all the tangles and all the snarls and all the, uh, and we can't even tell what the picture is. There's so many knots and so many dangling threads. But from above, and as he's looking down, it's a perfect, beautiful tapestry. And one day we will understand that. We will, we will know as we're known. And uh, that's the beauty of it all. And so, to him be the glory. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. Let me just end up <clears throat> by saying this. Are you glad that God is at the center of it all? That all things are through Him and for Him and to Him, to His glory. Are you glad for that? I am. I am glad that that God is in control of it. That He is at the center of it all. He is watching over it, governing it all. Or do you want some of the glory? Do you want some of the glory? Do you want to be able to pat your back? Boy, I tell you what, I sure deserved salvation. And, and man, I was smarter than the other guy. I get it, and they didn't. And, and uh, boy, this is, uh, no, he gets all the glory. This is what Paul is <clears throat> breaks forth and prays about. Because why? It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. Does it thrill you? And I mean this sincerely. Does it thrill you that Christ died for you? Does it thrill you? Does it thrill you? Can you say, like Paul, oh, the depths. Oh, the depths. This is serious stuff here. It really is. There are a lot of people today that go to church and it doesn't thrill them. It doesn't thrill them. 
that they can live to the glory of God and enjoy Him forever. They just want their ticket to heaven. That's all their life is about is, well, I made it. They may be surprised when they get there. John Piper was saying this morning, on, I never knew you. Have you been changed by His Are you being changed by His power through faith by believing in Christ? Not perfect. And I'll say that more than times than not. But let me, <clears throat> let me ask you this question. <clears throat> Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you done that? Have you tasted and seen the Lord is good? Wow. Because He is. If you have not tasted that the Lord is good, you, you better question yourself. Because He is good. And then how blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. We need to taste and see and experience, experience that He is good, He is reliable, He is merciful, He is glorious, He is truth. Help me out. What else? He is love. He is faithful. Help me. Holy. Merciful. Gracious. Righteous. All-powerful. Generous. Whoa. See what I'm saying? Taste and see that the Lord, it is, He is good. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You this morning for Your Word <clears throat> that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. And I thank You, Father, that Your Holy Spirit your wonderful Holy Spirit is working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Forgive us, Father, for wanting it our way, having it our way, doing it our way. Father, I just pray that you'll work in my heart. Help me bow before you because it's all about you. You created it all. You sustained it all out of nothing. And yet, Lord, you loved me. You loved me. You loved me. Let that sink in to my old wicked and sinful heart. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>